there was the the CG barber. Right. Know, that was, and we uh, were gonna do. We were gonna. He have, goes into a diner and he talks to a CG barber and we, he says, "Hey, where's where's the death sticks?" And the barber says, oh, that, "That came from Coruscant." Right. It was that was an early cut. Another one was when he lands on the alien planet to get the bottle. Well, it was really sad because that we, was the we scene cast with Harrison 30, Ford. Well, Harrison Ford, he was the lead alien. Hello, and welcome to the New American Storytellers podcast. I'm Shepard Allers, and I'm hanging out with Mike Hartnett and David Altrogi. We are a part of a community of storytellers and filmmakers called Vinegar Hill. You can check us online at vinegarhillstory.com. This week on the New American Storytellers, a breakdown of The Cosmonaut. It's a post-mortem session. It's the whole story. You heard it here first. We thought it'd be fun on air to do a little little postmortem of the cosmonaut, where we're gonna we'll talk a little bit about what we think worked, what we learned, what didn't work. I went on vacation and I was uh, did some editing, um, which is fun for me and is a fun vacation to just be able to get away and edit. But my version was like super slow, like I couldn't get the music right. Like I tried a million different temp music. I tried a Suvion Stevens song. I tried which you had um, originally. Package with the script. I had originally written the song, the script to a Sufjan Stevens song. So uh, ironic. So I tried that song, didn't work at all. Which tried, one was it? Holland. Uh, Holland. <laughs> tried a song from the road, didn't work. Just tried a ton of stuff that just really didn't work. So you don't have lines to cut to. Right. There's no lines to cut to. So you have to cut to music or some other pacing. Right. Something. Uh, to me, the music just keeps me sane when I'm editing. I right. can't edit silently. So you Even, did a pass on it. Yeah. And it was, it it, was. We all were a little bit underwhelmed. Not because it was a bad pass. Mostly, I think. Just because the music wasn't right. I remember kind of liking the music at the time. I was mm-hmm. sort of, I went to bat for the music. Which one was it? It was the uh, Brian Eno song. Okay. So I went yeah. to bat that for the music. That was still pre- uh, a lot of the space footage. Yeah, we hadn't shot anything really in the space capsule. So the movie was really slow, really boring. Yeah, it was boring. Really just lame. There's no dynamic. There's no rise of action. There's yeah. nothing. There's no point. Right. You guys didn't like it. We shot some more stuff, and then as our model has sort of become, David does a first pass on it, and then hands it off to Shepard or, or me or both of us at different points. And so, Shepard, you got to, I, I don't know if it was just sort of a, we need to get some new eyes on this kind of thing. You know, Shep, do a pass of the edit. Mm-hmm. And right. so, Which my vision for originally, as in not as the director, but as in, you know, an editor, was like, okay, this should be more like a music video. And so my my thought was, oh, it needs to be like this really epic song right. about lost causes. And that one wasn't wasn't really working. <laughs> so I went I went and pulled a song uh, by Olafur Arnold's. Uh, it was really um, kind of melodramatic. It did have incredibly some incredibly melodramatic. Well, it, but it did have the like beautiful songs, the beautiful the things that we ultimately wanted in the piece. Right. And so, like, unfortunately, it was trying to fit something. It started to fit a square peg in a round hole. It, it didn't work, <laughs> but it allowed us to get a new cut of the film that actually felt like it was moving. Now, at that point, in the by the time we finished that cut, and this is several months after we've. Mm-hmm. Wrapped production. I mean, this is probably getting into the winter. So we wrapped production in August. We're finally into the winter, and at that point, I was at the point where I was like, "All right, I'm ready to be done. I'm ready to move on." Like, right. I just, and I, I was just like, "Look, let's just release it. It's fine, and let's just move on." But Mike, well, that was the cut we took to L.A. Yeah, I well. took that cut to L.A. and handed it to. Um, I hope they never watched it. I handed it to some pretty big studio executives who I met when I was in L.A. Uh, big lady mistake. from DreamWorks? Uh, let's not say any names, but yeah. Big mistake. A lesson, I mean, a huge lesson learned. Like, don't give someone something before it's done. You know what I mean? Like, it was, yeah. like just a big mistake. You're not impressing but, anyone. But uh, yeah. th- at that point, like, we all... Wanted it to be done, but it, it still wasn't. It wasn't done, and Mike, you knew it wasn't done, and you were pushing us to keep going, and I was like, let's just 
move on to a new project. But I'm re I'm really glad that you were like, like saying, no, no, let me have let me have a pass at it. We sat down in so its I, yeah. current phase with Dallas Taylor again, our sound man who had helped us originally on the front end and who was going to do the sound design. We brought him in, and we watched it together. And he he was like, okay, just it's way too dramatic. He his basic critique was it's a great art piece, it's but not it's not a it's not a movie. And that was a really really good critique of it mm -hmm. because at that point there wasn't sound design, there wasn't th other storytelling elements that weren't visual. It was all just emotion. It was it was funny. He's like, "You know, what did you guys be offended if I if I hit mute when we watch this?" <laughs> and I was like, "Oh, great." You know, and so he put it on and we I think all realized it was a lot better without any music. Right. <laughs> or we could isolate the errors in it a little bit easier. Mm -hmm. And so that was fun and that gave me the idea to come back and to strike the music entirely. Uh, when I did my pass on the edit, it sounds sort of hokey to say let the clip speak to me. Let them speak to you. So I basically just wanted to allow the clips to sort of uh, build themselves in, in the proper pacing and stuff. Um, that would really allow the clips to sort of tell the story without mm -hmm. any music influencing me to rush stuff or to hold on things. Uh, I think that that helped flush out a lot of the bad um, edit decisions that were based on music before then. Right. Because we were making them based on temp music, which is already, always risky anyway. Right, it's a so risky that, move. Editing, just looking at the clips and just thinking about the emotions of what was happening worked pretty well, I think. Yeah, and it was cool because there was with this film, our sort of vision became very, uh, a very fluid vision for the film. Just as ideas came, we thought, oh man, we, we should really get, because um, I remember you came after you edited it, you're like, man, we need a shot of him putting on his helmet at the end of the movie. Mm. Like, and, and that was something that we hadn't thought, because originally it was going to end in the hospital, sort of their love goes on, but it's a really sad, super depressing ending, and like we need a different shot at the ending, because everyone's going to hate themselves. Yeah. And we had let it out to a couple different people, so the test audiences, and it was all very... Like very that's like the saddest movie. I've yeah, ever they seen. were like, "You, we hate you." you right. Know, that kind of like, and that was like, "Well, we got a reaction." I mean, a lot of people. Right. You know, at least a lot least of people would be like, "That's successful." You know, right. we've we've garnered emotion from our audience, but the, the emotion was, "We hate you, right. storytellers, because you put us through this thing," mm -hmm. and we're like, "Ugh, we don't want to be hated <laughs> by our audience," and and we want to have the story that's it, best. Yeah, that, that it, it didn't, leaves the audience. I could understand where they're coming from. It really was depressing. And it also didn't have any of the mystery sort of element that we were hoping for initially. It was right. like, it was bad mystery. It was just like I hate this. Right, she dies. Yeah, stinky ending. So yeah, so that was very very late in the game. I think music had already been composed. Right. Music had, um, mm -hmm. and sound design may have been in in process. I'm not sure. No, sound design probably hadn't started. So we went we went back to Frank's garage, awesome Frank Frederick, and. You you know made a whole bunch of sparks with his little uh, TIG welder, whatever you call it. Um, right. So and we then yeah we shot, shot that, that shot, shot the last the last shot and uh, did a photo shoot and then mm. sort of actually wrapped. Because initially though we had different ideas for adding in shot of the spaceship from far away. Yeah, we all kinds it. of really all kinds of. I'm glad we did as well. Yeah. Um, but we we wanted to try some other kinds of special effects shots yeah. at the end, and I really am glad we settled on helmet shot. Right, because it really did capture sort of the uh, just the mystery of the film and sort of set it up for maybe he's going back in the spaceship. Maybe he's going to go back into space and try to somehow go back in time. And that was to... one of the big, yes, that was one of the big things for me doing that last pass of editing was thinking, like, how do we play the line between being 
overly, you know, didactic, sort of like bludgeoning people with the story, and then also being like so uh, ambiguous that people don't give a rip. You know, right. like it's just like, oh, it doesn't have a meaning. You know, we didn't want to do either of those things. We wanted it to have. We have a version that we know what we would say the story is, but that it's that it's played in a way that is open-handed enough for people to draw their own conclusions. Mm -hmm. Right. And that's that's sort of what we were hoping for, which is. Um, hopefully. Right. Now happened. with this film, the editing process really defined the movie because we had a lot of footage. We had a lot of shots that we didn't use. Um, we shot things specifically in pickups that we ended up completely cutting. One of the biggest things that I hate about the film is the camera that we shot it on, DSLR. Absolutely. I mean, that is just, mm -hmm. there's, I still watch that film and cringe at some of the shots and I wish, we really could have made a very small investment. If we had been smart about it, and you know, looked at you know, kind of the, looked at our cash flow as a company. We could have invested in shooting on a better camera, and that right. would have that would have elevated the film. But it's difficult because at that time, like our shooting style meant that we were going to shoot, like, any given number of of evenings. Yeah, I yeah. So. I mean, I don't know. I I wish that. Yeah. Hindsight, I I think that we could have done it on. Yeah, anything. Any, we could have done it on a number of other cameras. So I mean, ultimately, we, at the time, we didn't know that we were going to be shooting all these extra pickups as well. Like we mm -hmm. knew we were going to shoot some stuff with the helmet well, like the yeah, day we before. Need, we didn't know that. But yeah, I mean, I, I wish, and that's I think one of the biggest things that hurts the film is the camera choice, not the sixteen millimeter, but the uh, DSLR camera choice. I think right. really hurt the. It brings down. I think it starts to yeah show your hand a little bit. Yes, right. it does break down. Uh, the footage was like. There's some not rough film. shots in there. There's some <laughs> rough shots in there. You're juxtaposing it with really, really cool looking stuff, um, with stuff that doesn't hold up at all. So it's you know if we had shot it all DSLR, um, you know it wouldn't there wouldn't be the the contrast at least between mm -hmm. the two. What else did we learn? What else? What else are things that we wouldn't do again or we'd do differently? I would have made it longer. Honestly, I think that knowing what we know now <laughs> about film festivals. Um, but ultimately, I think that there could have been, we could have allowed ourselves to breathe a little bit more in mm -hmm. the story. I think it, it does, it pushes really hard. I think it's good in the editing that there isn't, there aren't superfluous scenes, there aren't just superfluous plot lines and like things that in a silent film, especially like every shot counts because every shot, the, the length of the scene tells you sort of what's important about what you're seeing. Right. What's important to the story and oh, is this, could it get distracting and we found that when we showed things that didn't have anything to do with it. You right. know, everybody was like, oh, the movie's about that and it wasn't about that. So but I do think that in some ways it feels rushed yeah. still to me. Like I would have loved to have pushed it even more documentary. Like yeah. waited, like Rogers, Roger Cooper's music, I love that music still, but I would have loved to have allowed for more time at the beginning without music mm. really waited and thought and that's just something we should have thought about on the front end shot it on the front end to say okay we know that we're not going to have music because we weren't thinking about music until after we shot it and we're in post like i wish we had been thinking about music because that would have totally dictated how we would have shot and the also OPC. the sound design process because we didn't get any good usable audio yeah on set, that's unfortunately that's a big mistake we didn't get any natural sound so that meant uh, Dallas at DeFacto and John at DeFacto had to create all the sound, which those guys, I mean, John and Dallas did an amazing job, but it, it really did create a ton of work for them, and you, you do lose something when you don't have the real sound. Yeah, so I think that's, those are the big, the big things that I would have done differently. I would have loved, you know, one thing I would wish we had tried 
is I wish we had tried to find a way to find do some exteriors, like in a really good way and thought about them, not exteriors of of like super wide stuff. I mean, because when we were in post, the Tree of Life trailer came out, and those ex, those space exteriors, I was mm-hmm. like. Ah, I, w- I yeah. wish we had. Well, some I mean, way. I wish we had the budget to just go to space and get some really <laughs> yeah. shots. Well, we thought yeah, about yeah, it. Yeah. We priced it out. Actually, we priced it out. I called up some buddies at NASA. They were actually going to sneak us on to. Uh, uh, what was it? A hundred thousand dollars per pound? Well, it was actually going to be fifty dollars, but we just didn't have it in the budget. We just right. couldn't afford it in the budget. They were just going to charge us fifty bucks to sneak us on the ship. The things that I think worked really well is it was really really good to get uh, Alan Stallard. Um, involved in grading the film. Amen. That elevated it. Um, the work that um, that Roger did on the score, the work that Dallas and John did on the audio, like involving really talented really good people, people. Is, is a is a takeaway totally. that we are sticking with. Because we normally in the past would color grade everything ourselves, and mm-hmm. it just, I mean, you're you're good at it, Mike, but it was never quite up to par to what we wanted it to be, and mm-hmm. we were going to grade it again because we had a really bad experience with a different grader. But I'm really glad that we decided to go with Alan because he really rocked it. So any other any other lessons? I'm trying to remember. Like It's been so long, and I feel like my memory's tainted now because of how good it turned out. Mm. Um, I think I, we could I, have done well, it faster. We need to be more ambitious and more uh, It took like nine months to release it. It was Stupid. like August. Yeah, it took too long. Wait, it took over a year and people, before But, you know, our good friends were just mocking us. Right. You know, that it'll never be a done. A seven-minute film. Like, right. golly, mm-hmm. how long will it take you to do a feature? Right. From the time we shot it to the time we wrapped, it was a year and a month, which is pretty ludicrous for a seven-minute film. Right. Like, I think we should have done it way faster. We should have, but I can't imagine, like, how we would have. Which is it was just the post because the production was done as fast as we could. Yeah, the production was great, and that's the that's what you get when you have the discipline and the you have to do it because you only have a camera for this long or you only have a crew for this long. You know, you have that incentive to get stuff done fast. Mm-hmm. So I think that we can create that incentive on the post end, right? Um, either through throwing out a release date or you know, like really holding ourselves to the schedule that we have. It would have been awesome if we had just announced a release date. Yeah, and just because I think it. we could have done it way faster. I think we could have too. We could have. Gotten through a lot of the garbage the edits, faster. The edits could have happened faster. But mm-hmm. one thing that had to happen was the color grade. Absolutely. There's, and there's, and there's stuff. a big thing with that that we learned, I think, was it's really good to not do Kickstarter at the beginning or try to raise money. Something at the beginning, but like actually do something and show have something to show people. Yeah. Because we had a trailer and we were able to show people like what we were doing. <laughs> so this has been a great postmortem session with you guys. No, it's been really good. It is, it's cathartic. It's cathartic. Um... You know, if you're listening, I don't. I don't know if anyone's listening at this point. I think everyone's probably tuned out. If you out have, this point. then give yourself. You get a prize, and actually, you have a coupon code for a free BMW <laughs> V8. Guys, with an action figure. I apologize if this was too boring for all of you. Um, I don't know you, but I want to. All the... It's a song I'm working on for my next film. Yeah. Sort of a, you know, sort of a. It's gonna be a musical. Will play themselves out and it's a, it's a study on dissonance. Sort of a, it's a sort of a film that's all about the dissonant chords in our own lives. We have chords that are dissonant. And you play one, you pop one, and it's not really alive. So it's sort of the sixth sense meets pride and prejudice. Would you say that this film's. More biblical? Uh, I haven't even seen it, honestly. I have yet to see the film. <laughs> but I know it's gonna be pure dope. <laughs> so yeah, 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 I, you know. 
is sheet only anamorphic. When I, I if I think about 50 mil lens, I can show you, you know, 50 mil my frame size would be from right there to right over there with the, with the light switch right there. That's exactly, and you always know. I don't know really. I just show you up. Just sort of show up and just. <laughs> I can't. <laughs> and coming up next, the Cubs go head-to-head with the Raiders. <laughs> Be sure to check out our website at newamericanstorytellers.com. 